At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. You know what's crazy about I'm watching the election results and seeing the percentage of people that ended up voting? And it's weird because I sit back at 28 and I look at it and the finger always gets pointed at 13 through 30, 35 even. And it, it seems unfair in so many different regards. And I thought of it the first time, well, I think the last time, the last presidential election, where we put so much pressure on 18 to 35. Yet if you ask 18 to 35, they feel like, well, we think all, everybody's full of shit. That's it's, it's less about us not caring, but we think that everybody who's running for something is full of shit. Therefore, if I feel like there are no candidates that I can vote for, why vote? I think there are more people in that boat than the I just don't care about voting vote, you know, or I, I don't my vote doesn't matter. Like, I think there are people out there in that age range who are just like, no, I do care. I care about how our countries run. I care about. Uh, the treatment of people by the police and I want police reform and I want that school for uh, the kids that are in school now and my kids in the future. But if I don't feel like anybody uh, cares or cronyism is always going to win, what am I supposed to do? Right. Um, how do you change that? If I had the answers, maybe I would run for mayor, but I do not. I, I, I will say that that's one of the things I do like about municipal elections versus nationwide elections, because obviously the two party system is is not representative of the vast political spectrum of thought that citizens of this country have. I voted for in, in the I live in the fifth ward now. I voted for a candidate that I knew was going to lose. But 
this candidate was so impressive that I and, and I was so aligned with them. I was like, they earned my vote and they should at least know that there were people out there who appreciated what they were and and voted for them. Now, granted, the nine candidates for mayor of Chicago were all Democrats and the air quotes are doing a lot of work there, especially considering who's going to be in the runoff. But if you look, there's a there's a wide spectrum there. If you couldn't find someone that you wanted to vote for in that group of nine people, then I would say I would I would invalidate your argument because there was someone for everyone. I think if you wanted law and order that was available to you in a couple of different iterations, if you wanted more of a socialist vibe that was also available to you in a couple iterations and there was stuff in between. So I think that you're right. I I think there's a lot of validity to the point of when we're talking about two party system voting, that is troubling and mostly because like the the whenever we get the third party candidates they almost feel like they're acting as spoilers rather than actual alternatives to things and that's the thing that you know that that makes it man i realized that sports adjacent like we had this whole political thing <laughs> going on here uh but but i dig the vibe uh uh I I get a chance to talk a little bit of politics with Dan. Like we, we play around with it a little bit on the show, but this election, man, like in the, the past couple of elections, I've been more in tune and more aware of, of a lot of things. And there was a time where I actually thought about running for alderman of the 20th war because we had so many criminals all the non-criminals please stand up and well that that would be me i mean i had done like exploring and talked to people about fundraising and the whole nine yards but then jeanette taylor came along and i was like there's my candidate i don't need to run i just need to vote for her because she she actually gets it but man these these politico streets man i i i'm I'm fascinated by the two of you, like as you're maturing, like I I've already seen a change in Tony. Uh, Mr. Anarchy is now willing to work inside the system. <laughs> and that is fascinating to me. That's how it usually goes. That, I mean, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. People will act like there's something wrong with that, but there's nothing wrong with trying to see if, if you can affect change from inside the system it can be frustrating because the system is so powerful uh, that I understand anyone and everyone that's like burn the system to the ground. Yeah. Like I, I get that, but that the system is so overwhelming that until there is really an infiltration of the system by well-meaning people that get shit done, it's, it's hard to, to go the anarchy route. I uh, it's interesting that you bring this up of the you voted for a candidate that you knew would lose because I, I remember back to 2016 I was let's see 21 mm-hmm. a fresh 21 it was my first presidential election right I didn't get to vote for Obama um that was right before I got to vote and oh you missed out what a time 
Oh, uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Old ass pony. Right. Um, and so I I think that there was you are you knew who the Democratic candidate was gonna be. Right. And so during primaries, and, and I'm and I'm gonna make a little generalization here. The older blacks, if you will, you knew where, where they where their allegiance lied in the primary. And I'm not gonna put no names out there. And so for me, there were two candidates that spoke to me as a junior in college at that time. One, obviously, Bernie Sanders, and the other was uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. And I ended up in the first primary voting for Elizabeth Warren. And I'm having a conversation with my mom because we went to vote together that day. And I was telling her that I voted for Elizabeth Warren. She's like, you threw your vote away. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and mom, I love you. And Alex tells us one, and then you listen to this podcast religiously. And two, I think there's this there was something really valuable in the conversation we had in the car that day. So yes, that's what she said. And I think older black people, because of the history of voting for us in this country and how important it is, they want to make sure the vote matters, right? And uh, and there was, you know, there's a there's a connection. Um between older black folks and the Clintons. Like it's just it's just like it's 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 undeniable and it's honestly what Hillary Clinton was counting on to win the right. election. Right. And I had all the smoke for my mom during this time. Uh and we look we look back on it and and we had really good conversations about it during that time. And I she yes, yeah, she was like, why didn't you do that? Like you she, you know she's not gonna win. And I said, Ma, well you and dad raised me and Joe. You told us to stand up for what we believe in. And what I believe in at this moment is not Hillary Clinton. It's also Warren. And so that's who I voted for. Like, you raised me to do exactly what I just did. That's right. And then there was silence in the car. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, damn it. They listened. You were like, checkmates. It, I definitely did. I felt so good that day. <laughs> I felt so good that day. <laughs> Strutting into the house, coming back from voting for a primary but no nah, i i i've definitely gotten more interested as i've gotten older i think the window from 2016 to 2020 you kind of lose interest there because it got it was just it was filthy for a while it's toxic it, it, it was i mean it, it's kind of stayed that way like the way that oh yeah ain't no ain't no going back yeah <laughs> he, he he impacted every election ever yeah. going yeah. forward i yeah. agree yeah the political podcast, Sports Adjacent. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, no, welcome to Sports Adjacent. <laughs> I, you've been listening to a, a very solid discussion about the old politics. Uh, I'm Russ Dorsey. You're one of your hosts as always. Tony Gill on the boards, as always. And filling in for the ill Jason Leisure is Uncle Lawrence Holmes. He's coming and sit down with the kids. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate it. So this is the, what's hap- what happened, Lawrence. So we get a text from Jason yesterday. And he's like, hey, man, my voice uh, sounds horrible. And he sends me and Tone a voice memo. And it sounds, he sounds like. He's in Hades or something. Yeah, like a, a sick Patrick Mahomes, right? A, a, just a gravelly voice. And I said, there's no shot this dude is doing the show tomorrow. And up until this morning. He was trying his best to make sure, that, hey, man. I, I, and I was like, Jason, we'll just see you next week, bro. 
And he's like, nah, I, I, I'm going to see how I feel in the morning. Hopefully it's gone. And then he's like, yeah, there's no shot. And I'm like, Jason, we knew. We knew, buddy. But I appreciate you for trying. So Jason is out. Hopefully he will return to us next week. But uh, no, Lawrence, we always love to see you. I'm, I'm glad that you guys invited me to come and hang out because I heard the, the Barry Rosner episode and I was like, wow, like they, they, they really, really like Barry. Like, and, and Barry is the man. Like I'm so, I was so excited. I was like, I wish I would have been on that episode because I, there was so much stuff that I wanted to ask Barry. And look, Barry's been on house of L. So it's not like, but he's just, he's just so damn funny yeah. and he doesn't care and and you need a little dose of that every now and again just to to set you straight and get you right and then you guys are having so much fun i i had some fomo i was like man look at all of my guys like all of my guys are like here having a good time and just talking about pizza puffs and i there's a place, I, I don't know if it's the same place that Barry was talking about, but there was a place on Division that I would go to called Five Faces where, you know, at the end of the night, you were looking for a pizza puff. That was the spot that you would go to and you get your pizza puff on. Unfortunately, it's not there anymore. And there are not a ton of places that you could get pizza puffs at. Mm-hmm. And you guys inspired me, though, because there is a spot down the street from me in Hyde Park that uh, th- there's a Nathan's down here in Hyde Park that I do think has pizza puffs. So I think next week there's going to be a, a trip for a pizza puff just to, you know, to, to, to check the climate, see if, if the pizza puffs are on point. I've heard from a lot of people since the episode dropped and the pizza puff community is thriving and strong out there. So there's a lot of support for the old Il Taco pizza puff. To your comment on Barry Rosner. So I knew Jason hit me and said, hey, I'll be out. Uh, It was the 22nd when we recorded or when the episode dropped. Um, No, when we recorded. And I knew from that point who I wanted to come on. And I hadn't asked him to come on for a long time because I was waiting for the right episode. But also, like, he's he loves not doing anything. Like every time I see him, he's the most relaxed human being in the world. And we eat ch- cheese curds and we drink alcohol. And he tells me how he wants to get canceled. And I'm like, Barry, don't say things like that. Like, I need you around. You can't get canceled. Right. No, part of that isn't just. But yes, he's the, the best person. And the thing about him, and I didn't say this on the episode, when I met Barry Rosner, I needed somebody to be in my corner that was authentic, right? Because you have people who are in your corner. It's like, oh, yeah, you're good at the job. Yeah, you'll be able to do this. And, like, you'll never hear from them again. Or, like, they tell that to every young kid. Like, you needed somebody to tell you the real real. He's always told me the real real. Um, And so, now he's legitimately the best. Yeah, he is, man, and and he's so good too. Like I, he's very humble about how good he is behind a microphone. Like obviously, he's nice with the pen. Like he's always been nice with the pen, but such a good talk show host. And and what I always loved about Barry is that 
he was a dude where it didn't matter what direction the conversation went in. He had something. He knew somebody. He had talked to someone. That's all that experience. And and it comes to the forefront. Plus, he, he you know, everyone needs a dude that doesn't give a shit. Yes. Everyone needs a, a guy that's like, nah, that's some BS. That's, you know, that's cap. And Barry is that dude. One of my favorite things is when I would cover the when I was covering the Bears, like watching Barry's process, like inside the locker room, and then watching how he how he was so diligent about writing. And you know how sometimes it's people talking about like just writing on deadline. With Barry, you could see that he had crafted the story, that he had put it together. And now it was like he was getting dessert. Like, like he he had eaten all the veggies and all that stuff. And now he was going to put a cigar in his mouth and he was going to sit there and he was going to write. And then he he would, you know, polish off the 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 the, the fifteen hundred words or whatever. And he'd be on his way. And he would be done. Like when Barry was done, he was done. And then it was time to 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 go and kick it or whatever. But I always I always respected that about him. I always liked that about him that he had the grizzle of like a vet, but he never carried himself like he was better than anyone. And I I just love that. I just love that dude. So seeing y'all kick it was uh, a lot of fun for me. A lot of fun. No, he's uh he's very important to me for a lot of different reasons. And I'm I'm glad people got to see how I am with him when yes. we're together. Because it will be we go sit down somewhere until that place closes. Right? We'll go to a bar at like six o'clock and we'll eat, drink, and be merry and have all this fun, ha ha and kikiing, joking with the waiter or waitress, and then we look up and it's one thirty in the morning. That's and I'm like, like, Barry, I have to go home. Seeing you guys vibe was just dope. Like, it's just dope. This is it was a lot of fun for me, like, as a listener and knowing everybody. But the cool thing was, I think that you didn't even have to be a listener. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, know, and, and know what that relationship was. I think you could have just checked out that episode and you could have you got it immediately. Like, what Barry meant to you and what you meant to him. And who doesn't like to hear a crazy person every once in a while? I think that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's awesome. why Tony's on this podcast. A hundred percent. And speaking of Tony, he's a uh, sponsored by Sheets and Giggles. Yeah. If you like the best if you like the best sheets that money can buy, go to sheetsgiggles.com forward slash S A and use new promo code SPORTS. That is sports S P O R T S and get twenty three percent off your next order, including their brand new mattresses, which we have up to five hundred dollars if you want to get cupped if you would like to get cupped and cuffed hey we're also brought to you by bet mgm you can make a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars and if you don't win you get that money back using promo code adjacent 1000 that is adjacent one zero 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 Lawrence, I hadn't seen you in a while, and I had 
something I wanted to holler you about. So like you did an episode, okay, of House of L. It might have been a month or so ago. Yeah. About the business. Oh. And since that time, what you said about the contractions that would happen in, in the business have started to happen. And we've seen, you know, NBC, we've seen SI. The SI thing broke my heart. Like, we've seen a lot of people lose jobs over the last month since you put that out. Like, it was happening before you put that out. And since, we've seen even more of it. And I always think of our business because I'm really young in it. Tone is still really young in it. And you've seen, like, the full gauntlet of this business, the good, bad, and the ugly. It's fine. You can just call me old. I didn't it's want to I didn't say you've just seen a lot of things. You've seen a lot of things. I got that and thousand yard stare because I've seen a lot of stuff. You've <laughs> seen a lot of shit, right? <laughs> you have. I'm not going to lie to you. When you was at the bar on the 30th anniversary, somebody's looking at you across from the bar. He, I bet he's seen a lot. He done seen some things. He has seen some That's why, that's why he can't handle being around crowds. <laughs> he's seen some stuff. And because you've seen some things, you know uh, how this goes, right? The cycle that it is. Maybe it's not a cycle this time. Maybe it just might be what it is. And it was interesting hearing you talk about how you have the the decision you made to take a step back from teaching because you're still kind of unsure of what to tell people who want to go into this business, young people especially. Yeah. And you and I had a conversation and I look back two years ago, almost to the day, about where my career was going and conversations that I was starting to have back when I was on the beat about my future. And I remember very vividly what you told me when we were on the phone for probably 45 minutes. We were on and the phone for two hours, Russ. That that time? Which yeah. time? There was multiple oh, no, clowns right. in that right. time. You're right. The, the that time I was in, we're on I was the in phone. Arizona. That's right. At spring training, and I called you and said, hey, man, this thing just happened. I don't know what this thing means. And you're like, well, this is what this thing means. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know right now. And then after that, there was a two-hour phone call. Yes. And if that were today, same position, same everything, That what would you tell me today? I mean, are you in the same position that you're in now? So I'm me two years ago. We've just fast forward to where the business is right now. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, I'm glad that I ran into Rosie because, and it's weird because Rosie's kind of my Barry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Steve Rosenblum is kind of like my Barry or or, or my Doug. Um, and we had a conversation and I was kind of working through some of this stuff with him. And I decided that I needed to, I needed to come up with some solutions for people that were looking to get into the business. The business isn't going to go away. Okay. Like I, I don't, I don't see the business going away. What I do see is it's going to be a massive change. And we started seeing it, you know, as newspapers were starting to evolve, and maybe that's what we should start calling it instead of dying, like evolving. But I'm I'm scared too because I I see stuff, and I'm not trying to diss because obviously, like I write a column for the Sun Times, 
I've seen some stuff with the Tribune, and I know that their deadline is a little bit earlier because you have, and the deadline is earlier because you have less people who are working at the paper, and it takes a lot to put a newspaper together. But there were a couple of uh, local events, and I think the, was it a Bulls game? It was it was a Bulls game in Indy. So, you know, 6 o'clock local time start. That should give you enough time to get your game story clean to the paper, you know, because you're usually writing a game story and you're revising and stuff as the game goes yeah. along. You, you file your game story. You maybe add a couple of quotes, it, but finding out what time the, the paper is supposed to hit the press, I was like, okay, they actually don't have time to to get all of that stuff done. I just think that we're in this place where there have been a lot of bad decisions from people that are really high up. There's been an overextension of credit. There's been an overextension of of ideas and investment that haven't been backed up. So, and some of this is I work. I don't know if you guys know this because you're both super young. I actually worked in sales for two years at the score. So I was working in sale in the sales department while I was working in programming. So like my Monday through Friday job was in sales. And then I'd, I'd host shows on the weekend. Eventually I came back to like a hundred percent full time on the programming side. But that time that I spent in sales was really valuable. It taught me more. I learned more in the two years of sales than I had in the previous five years in program. And some of the lessons are still worthy today. I struggle with the way that sales departments are set up and specifically when it comes to the score. And this is not, this is no one's fault. This is just my philosophy. Sports radio in particular, I think is a passion buy, meaning you can look at the numbers and you can say, oh, well, we, we're selling to men 25 to 54. This is the type of rating number that we're looking at to, to get the return on investment. What you want is you're buying the personalities and you're connecting to it. It's why, it's why Dan Bernstein will always have a job. Dan crushes it with advertisers. And I don't mean like he's, he's out there glad-handing when he's out in these streets. I mean, Dan sells. He cares, like he connects himself with products that he actually uses. And that shit is key. It's key. Yeah. And, and and you guys know, we've had, we've had instances on House of L where I'm like, fellas, do you think that this actually works for House of L? Right. Because I don't want us to be connected to something. We, we walked away from it's funny because the product was great (laughs) still is to be honest the product is is great but we we weren't getting down with the vibe on how they wanted us to sell that product very teenage boy right so we decided to move on from it but but my point is is that sometimes i think that there's some stuff that gets lost in the sauce when it comes to selling um especially sports radio like you got to sell people. You, you got to sell like you want to be connected with folks. 
And then sometimes you see companies turn down buys because a buy is less than what they were expecting. So they'd rather have no money come in instead of some money come in. I that's was weird. To, that's always weird. Right. That's, 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 that's not even just a score. I'm like, they'd rather not have anything than having something. I'm like, what? I was talking to two, two of my partners. I was on vacation and I hooked up with, with, with them and hung out and we were talking about it. And they were detailing like, oh, you know what? We had gotten this advertiser and this advertiser was going to spend 10 grand on on the show. But that was underneath the threshold of what they thought we should be selling it for. And I'm like, wow, they 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 turned down money. Um, I know I'm being long winded. I apologize. I don't know. I'm passionate about this stuff. I, I just think that the models are going to have to change. There's still some places where the old models work and they're hard to duplicate. Like Channel 9's morning show is a model that's hard to duplicate. The 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 people that they have, the interaction that they have on that show, everyone tries to do it. But you can't because you don't have that group of people to do it. But because of some of these mistakes, there's been double and tripling down on the mistakes and it's going to end up with i think a bunch of companies in bankruptcy and they're going to have to re-strategize i think regional sports networks overall are going to i think they're going to still be around but it's just going to be different um i'm curious about what happens with major league baseball i i i'm a little scared that people aren't more concerned about that and it seems like baseball has a plan but i keep going do you have the infrastructure like do you have the actual infrastructure to if if you're going to take over the broadcasting of 14 teams do you have the infrastructure to make that work and and maybe it's great for the consumer because you could do some more direct to consumer stuff and you could take away the the blackout phase which is one of the worst things about major league baseball you talk to anyone who lives in Iowa and they're like, I can't watch Cubs games. I can't watch White Sox games. I can't watch Twins games. I can't watch Royals games. I can't watch Cardinals games. Who the fuck am I supposed to be watching? You know what I'm saying? Um, so I do think that there's a chance for growth. And and that's where like the the contraction should allow for there to be creative expansion. But even in some of the things that we've seen with expansion, sometimes the appetites are a little too big and instead of just enjoying how can i put this instead of just enjoying let's call it a two percent profit or return on profit it's always like no we need it to be a hundred percent return on profit and people just overextend and then they they don't they don't put enough into really quality programming. And I I I wish I wish that in, in a lot of these cases the bosses had experience on the programming side. Like you see a lot of places where the people who are in charge are from a sales background and you get it because there's billions of dollars of revenue that need to be moved around. But I, I think that that has to be augmented with a strong presence of someone who understands talent. 
And so that that's, I've got concerns, but the advice that I would give young people right now is you have to have your hands in a couple of different things. You can't multiple income streams. Like I'm a huge proponent of this. It, it's, it's one of the things, one of the few things that gives me comfort is if, if I lose a job or my company goes bankrupt or whatever, I know that there's another income come stream coming in and I, I have, I can worry less than, um, if I didn't. So you gotta, you gotta have, I hate to say it cause I'm not a big fan of hustle culture, but you gotta have another hustle. You, you, and, and if it doesn't even have to necessarily be in the industry, like if you tend bar or you work in the service industry, if that's your hustle, if you want to start your business, that's your hustle. I'm big into ownership. I'm so proud of you guys because you started your own LLC, you know, like that you can do all sorts of stuff with that. Like it, it, it puts you in a position where you can, you can actually make moves. Um, but it's scary, Russ. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I know that I'm at the end. Like I know that from from a talent standpoint. Like I'm 47 and I know that if I want to I can keep going. Like I can keep going for probably another 10 years or so like legitimately. But I I I don't with the way things are changing, I'm not sure that I want to be involved in in it. But I am curious to see how it all plays out. And I think the next, I think the next 18 months are going to be fascinating from that standpoint. Tone, how do you view the, uh, the old industry right now? Cause you, you're at a place and I'm not trying to put your business in, in the street that has undergone a lot of changes. One, mm-hmm. one of those changes, Lawrence was one uh, there and then he wasn't. And now he kind of is. And so oh, like seeing it, seeing it from the, I'll call it the blessed position where you, you you have been able to be able to stay when you've seen a lot of your friends not be able to stay. How do you view the business? Um, very scary, <laughs> very very scary. Uh, and it's even more scarier when it's not just you anymore. Um, which you know every day, you know obviously I want to do the best I can with uh, the opportunities that I have currently, but I'm constantly thinking. Okay, how do I prepare myself for the next line of cuts? Like, what do I have to to lean on? Um, and I got a couple things, uh, which makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. But for my future, you know, in the business, I'm already thinking. I'm like, okay, what career do I want to do next? Uh, that that I would enjoy doing day to day. It may be a nine to five. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm. I'm not as close-minded to think that I'm going to be a podcast producer f- until I'm 60. <laughs> like, I'm just, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I've met a podcast producer that is, you know, 50, 60 years old. Because it's so new. It's such a new business. Like, this, I'm going to be, if, if I choose to do so, I will be that. 
fifty or sixty year old produce podcast producer. Yeah. Uh if if I, you know, still wanted to do it, but um I don't want to get myself caught up where this is the only thing or that's the only thing. I want to make sure that uh even on the side, right? Like I'm a avid YouTube watcher. And it's usually some type of tech or some type of skill that I can pick up just kind of offhandedly because I'm interested in the topic and I'm kind of absorbing information as I do what I do um, on on an everyday basis. So um, for any like young people that, that want, I would say still do it. If you're passionate about it, you'll find a way. Um, and I get everybody's circumstances is different. Uh, everybody's talent level is different. Uh, but if you, if you want to do this, you have to do it if you're very, very passionate about it, uh, because you're going to be, you're going to feel unfulfilled if you don't, uh, even if it's tough, right. You know, financially and, and things of that nature, when, when you're in it, um, it's worth it for you to at least try. It's those moments, Tony, of uh, creativity where you have a breakthrough that it makes it worth it. You know, where you, you come up in a moment and you say, yeah, like, man, that was a great segment or that was a, a really funny line or that was a great interview that ended up happening. Those are the types of things that bring you back to it. And, and there was a big discussion. I think it was a, a Alana Rizzo that had tweeted out about her how much money she made in her first gig or she was talking about um, interning and kind of paying your dues. And I, I understand that. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I love to tell the the old stories of making $23,500 when I first started out as a producer at the score. But I also understand young people being like, I want to be paid for my labor. And that's one of the things that I've learned teaching and, and being with my students how important it is because it you have to have the privilege of having enough money to intern for free and not everyone has that and a little actually goes a long way like i interned at channel nine my senior year of college and it turned it into it turned into a part-time job like as a producer but I think I was making 15 an hour and I was just working Saturdays and Sundays and that right there, like that was, it was 1997. Like that was straight up and down. That was my rent. Like I could, I made my rent in one weekend working at, at channel nine because I was doing like 10 hours or whatever on both days uh, to produce stuff. But if you don't, if I lucked up, you know, like I, my, one of my teammates from college, we had, we found an, a, an apartment that wasn't very far from channel nine. It was like five blocks from channel nine and it cost us five fifty a month, five fifty a month, man. We were, okay. we, we were on, uh, who were we? Addison and Polina five through the Haitian, this is a Haitian family. And Haitian family like just gave us the basement, and we used to kick it. Like I, I drive past there sometimes. And I'm like, man, 
we were very lucky that that Haitian family was cool with these two dudes out of college just paying them five fifty a month. Like, it's wild. Like, to think about it now, like, it's really wild to do that. But you got to have that that privilege to be able to do it. And it's it's hard, man. It's hard for me to push young people into our industry right now, Russ. Like, it's... And, I, and the crazy part is the last quarter I taught, I taught last spring. I've had so many success stories like from that, like people getting jobs, like recommendation letters that I sent out being rewarded with those people you know, getting into grad school or getting an opportunity. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling, but I'm waiting for and But I also saw some heartbreak. Like one of my former students was one of the people laid off at NBC Sports Chicago. And being faced with that is hard and trying to help them work through it is hard. What do you tell them? You know, like you try to prepare them for all of this stuff, but it still hurts. And I don't know how to help them with their hurt. And and that's, that's the worst part, man. Like that's the absolute worst part is you see people like, and, and I'm, you know me, like, I don't want your, I'm not a dream killer. I don't believe in your dream dying because of a setback, but I understand people being like, man, I got kicked in the rocks, yo. Like I got kicked in the rocks and I don't know if I want to do that again, but you have to weigh the, the idea of, well, are you going to be happy in, I know that I could never be happy in a nine to five job. I know this, like, and I had them, I had them when I was in college and when I was first out of college, like, I know that this is what I want to be doing in some form or fashion. It just fits me better. And I remember having friends that went to, to go work for Arthur Anderson or Deloitte and Tooch. When, when I was in, in, in college and they, they were making 80,000, like out the gate in, in 1997. And you're like, I'm over here broke. You know what I'm saying? Like chasing a dream. I'm over here broke. So I, so there's, there's money at the end of the rainbow. Like there, you can make a great living doing this, but it might take you a while and you might not want to do that. Like you're, your life goals might not match up with your career goals. And you have to figure that out. It's hard to raise a family on a score producer salary. It's hard. And you you damn sure better pick the right partner. And that partner needs to know, hey, we might be broke or I might be broke for a little while. I so couldn't even date when I was a score producer right. I, what are we gonna do <laughs> i didn't have many money come up to the crib right you come up to the crib you know <laughs> at two buck chuck right <laughs> there it is sometimes yes that's, get it popping. that's a sacrifice right that's that's <laughs> that's one of those sacrifices that you're like that i'm like i can't afford to date anybody right now um so i say hey i if i can afford a regular date for two weeks in a row, I'm like, I shouldn't be dating. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't. Man, it's hard too because 
it's 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 crazy because even as a producer, Tony, like you were famous but broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man. Like people knew you, but you were making any yeah. money. And, and I understand when rappers say, "Like, man, I don't want the fame. Just give me the money." Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's tough, bro. Hey, you're Tony Gill. Why are you standing at Salvation Army? Right. <laughs> hey, you're Tony Gill. Why are you taking your date on a date to White Castle? Because one of them here and and it's two. Yeah, Patrullo's. It, it's down the street from the house. Yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, House of Bell has been around for five years, yes? It'll be five years in June. Okay. So... The day that this podcast drops, a week from what would be today, if you're listening on the day the pod drops, is our two-year anniversary. Awesome. Right? This is episode, what, Tom, 104? 104. So we have over 100 episodes, and our one-year, two-year anniversary is next week. What have you seen in the birth and growth of Sports Adjacent? Uh, and... What did you think we would be when we started and like how everything has unfolded since? That's a lot of questions. And but you're such a great orator. I think we're gonna have Um when you guys started out, I was really excited because I it's funny because I I don't have a lot of notes for you guys. I I think that the the podcast has evolved in a way. I heard you guys talking on I think it was the hundredth episode where you were saying that like the pilot for sports adjacent was so terrible that you hope it doesn't see like the light of day. And I, I feel like that's probably, you guys are probably being too hard on yourself, but when you start out, like that's the way it's supposed to go. Like episode one isn't going to be as good as episode two and so on and so forth because of all the stuff that you learn in the meantime. I, I thought this would be an entertaining pod. Like, that's why I was like, eh, instead of you guys doing it on your own, I was more into the idea of you guys being on House of L because I knew that it would be, it would be an interesting ride. And when you throw in a wild card like Tony, like that, that really kind of changes the dynamic. Plus it comes across like your friendship with Jason comes across and and in the interaction between you guys, it it makes for a really good listen. So it's weird because 
sometimes when podcasts start out and I've done like write-ups for for pods, like I've listened, I've offered notes to people in their podcasts and you say, hey, you know, this is maybe a direction you should take the podcast in. I actually think that you guys didn't really need a lot of notes in that regard. I felt like you had the concept down and then it became a matter of execution and the execution continues to get better. And like now they're catchphrases with this podcast. Like, you know, when there's an opportunity to insert a, Hey, yo, you know, like, you know, the rhythm of it, you know, that Russ's private life is a bit on the show. And we have to say that because Russ's parents are listening. They don't know all the crazy stuff that he'd be out here doing. And because there is none. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, All of that stuff, like it's happened organically. And I think that it's it's turned out to be dope. So I, I would say that it's strange. You guys have not exceeded my expectations. Like my expectations were high. And you guys like got there and got there quick, got there real quick. And not only are you doing like a, what I think is an entertaining pot, especially with the guests that you bring on and what you bring out of the guest. Like I know that Dion's got her radio show and there's different rules, radio podcast. Like you guys bring out the best of Dion. She has a blast when she's on the podcast, like that stuff that she was doing where she was writing the news stories on the fly. Anchor woman. Like, that's dope. You guys created that character. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys created that and gave her a space to do that. And that that's the mark, I think, of a really good podcast. It's, um, I think it's cool. Like, some of this is, is overlap from the 100th. But, like, to be able to do two years worth of episodes where... There's a lot of podcasts that start and then after a while, they're just like, yeah, this ain't it. And I think that it, that was something that personally, and I know Jason probably feels the same, but for speaking for me, I didn't want to have something that I started and then stopped. Right. And the, the, we were just talking about in the last segment of like having something that you own. And being so important, like I remember when you started House of L and how cool that was, because that was yours and you owned it and nobody could take it away from you. And people was trying to negotiate for it to buy your back catalog and all that. Like that's dope that that even came up. Um and so for for me, wanting something like that that Jay and I both own equally, being able to have Tone be a part of it, to do it with you as EP on it, it all the things just made sense. And I think that I never had doubt in us making it work. And I and I I I know I always make fun of Jay about that pilot episode. And I wish people were able to hear the conversation that we had that day because I think it was the he and I are so similar in a lot of ways, but so different in others. Yep. Where he was just like, dog, this is terrible. And I, I, we just, this can't, like, we can't do this if this is how it's going to be. And my thought was always, like you said, like, 
I'm just thinking we just need reps, bro. Like that was the practice spot. Um, but it wasn't to tell him like, Hey dog, everything's going to be okay. But it was the, it was, I think the first moment of really realizing, all right, this is a partnership and how you feel about a lot of things. He's not going to feel about everything and how he feels about something. You're not going to feel about it. And there hasn't been a ton of times like that, but I think that being the first moment before we ever got started was so important in terms of not just us as a partnership on the pod, but as to have a business with your best friend is, and, and knowing that, Hey man, there's going to be some times where y'all do not agree on something. Mm -hmm. Um, and there hasn't been a ton of times like that. And we're really, we're both adults and we talk things out and this not being our main source of income makes it a whole lot easier because I think sure. the conversations that would be different if it was like, hey man, somebody y'all with if y'all were eating off of sports adjacent, right? Be a different feel. And it was less than of a passion project that we happen to market and have some additional income revenue streams from. Yes. Like if so if 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 Metal Lark wanted to buy us for seven hundred fifty grand and I know that somebody out there would buy us for 1.2 and Jay is like, Hey dog, we need to take the 750 right now. Like, I think that there, there would be different conversations that we would have. Um, wait, wait y'all metal lark called y'all. Y'all didn't even tell me. Metal lark called you. That's what's Gucci. That's what's Gucci in the streets. To listen that. Listen, if, if the lark called, you're the first call I'm making. I said, well, listen, buddy, you I, know, I love you. And we're going to go to dinner. We're going to talk about how we're at it. Hell yeah. Like you told us to leave. You said, if anybody offers you money, get yeah. fuck out of here. I, Hey, I, I truly believe in that. I'm big on, as Tony knows, I'm big on kicking people out uh, <laughs> when they have the opportunity to make more money. I'm, I'm a pro at that at this point in my career. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but I, I, I actually always kind of figured that they would. And I, Jason downplays his relationship with the Levitard show, but those dudes love him, you know, like they, so I'm like, I'm, I'm still waiting, still waiting for, for John Skipper to be like, Hey, or Hey, Hey guys, uh, you guys should come and maybe check out what's going on with metal arc. Uh, that would be dope. I think you guys would, and then say, Hey, we got a friend and he does a podcast. So take him with you. Uh, I, I package the the old House of L package. Dude. Yeah, man. Um, we might have some additions to House of L. Okay, I'm so I'm, I'm negotiating right now with people. All right, so the checks are gonna go down. Sounds no, good. you guys. Good. Checks, so we got to talk about are not going to go down. <laughs> go down. We got to we Tony. We got to start stripping again. That's how. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Hey, Russ got money, girl. Don't let the money make you. Hey, man, gotta hit these corners again. No, I, I think if if it go, I mean, it's not a done deal, so I shouldn't even be talking about it. But if it does go through, uh, I think you guys will be very, very excited about the addition. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, I think uh, two, two. I didn't like. It's hard to visualize it, and I think. The hardest part about us being a pod was probably the first year. Like this, I think the second year has been great, and I think we hit a stride around the middle of year two, maybe like June or July, 
maybe right after we had that conversation where you're like, hey, guys, there's some things going on and I'm going to need y'all to do your own thing for a little while. I don't know if a, a switch flipped in all our minds or it's like, hey, man, let's do our thing. But I think it was at that moment that we were really like, oh, like we're we're pod. Like, we could do this. The first year was really hard. And I can speak for me of. I was trying to hit my stride on the beat and be really good. Yeah. But knowing that I we need to and Jay and I had a conversation like we need to pod every week. Like we were really big on not having a week where we didn't pod to build our audience and build who we were as a podcast because we didn't want to be wishy-washy with it like a lot of podcasts are. And we were like that first year, we were wake, we were doing pods at like midnight, 1 a.m. I was up at like 2 a.m. on the East Coast. It'd be like 7 a.m. on the West Coast where we were just doing pods. And that shit was crazy. But it was so important in us getting to year two where now life has kind of stabilized a little bit in terms of the travel schedule. Um, and we we have a more steady schedule of when we record our podcast. Like it, we're within an hour or two either way every week. We didn't have that at all. Let me ask you this, Russ. How do you think the pod would be different if you guys were mostly in the same room? Oh, turned up by 10. And it's something we always think about. But I think because of when we started, that the the day and age in which we started our pod like mid covid and the fact that we're all doing our thing out here in our own ways like i'm doing my thing jay is doing his tone is doing his jay don't live close no so he, he i almost jesus think, left his sandals right i i don't think our pod would work in person just because with it, with it not being what we all do for our main source of income, we can't have a studio where we record because I got to be at three places today. And Jay, it's going to take you an hour and 15 minutes to get to us, an hour and 15 to leave, and you got a wife and kids. I don't know if it would work. You know what I mean? Like, it's something I thought about, like, is there any way we could do this in person? Well, I, I, I mean, I'll let you in on, like, one of the ideas that I have. Um, I've been thinking... Like, cause you know, we have nighttime inventory that isn't fully stocked over at the score. And so I've dabbled in, I've been playing around with, I do a little 45 minute show every now and again from the United Center room before a Bulls game. And it's been fun and it's given me some access and content. I, one of the things I told Mitch was, I was like, I think I want to have at some point, like a house of L presents night on the score where the three of you come and hang out with me and we're on the air from like six until six. Like, let's say the, the Cubs are in Colorado. Yeah. So it's like six to seven forty-five, where we just vibe. Like we just hang out and throw stuff at the wall. Um, and that he seemed open to the idea, but that's, that's one of the ideas that I have where I'm like, what if I could take the sports adjacent podcast and, add me to it and then put all of us on the air. And obviously like I would pay you guys. Um, 
and do it on the score. Like what, how much fun could that be? You know, and I think it could be because Tony knows when we'd have guest week, we'd bring people in and the vibe was always like fantastic. Like what would happen if we did that? So that's one of, one of my like ideas that I want to put into action at some point and have you have, have you guys come down to the score studio or maybe, you know, like we, we could probably set it up where we all doing it remotely because I could, you know, do the show from home or from the studio and you guys have the good, good setups, um, for, for, for it to sound good. But yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. I think that could be a lot of fun. I think that's a cool idea. I, I think, and when we started the pod or when you, when we first brought you the idea and I like, I actually drove my feet when we started. Cause I'm like, Hey man, I don't know how this whole schedule thing is going to work. Cause Jay, you're doing the bears. beat. I'm on the Cubs beat. And I was blessed enough to work at a paper where I'm traveling for everything. Yep. Over at the sun times. And I just didn't want to half at, and I use that phrase with you. I'm like, bro, I'm not half assing this thing. If I do it, I want to do it. So full ass, full asset. I want to full asset. And in order to full asset, like we need to figure out how things are going to work. But nah, man, like I think it's dope. Um, to have other things to that we do half ass, like literally, like, where, did that, where did that saying come from? Like, what would you be doing? Have acid, acid. Oh, you're meaning from the literal. You want to tell What half, are you half eating? What's right. half teat? Like what if like what was the first iteration of this? I'm like, man, bro, you giving me half an ass right now. Maybe like, I mean, it comes from thing. maybe it comes from like a donkey giving. That's what I'm thinking. Half effort. Yeah, half effort. Like that's a half an ass. Hmm. Versus a full, full chat. Full full donkey. All right, like I've I've found a couple of things from like internet.com. Mm-hmm. You know, his Let's let it fly. Let's listen. We're gonna let it fly. Tony's favorite <laughs> domain. Um let's see. The etymology of half ass. Hold on, that's how old I am. I gotta take my glasses off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the term half ass is used to refer to something being sloppy or partially completed. For example, really did a half-assed job in those TPS reports, Bob. What is the etymology of this phrase? If half-assed means partial or incomplete, can something be full-ass or (laughs) (laughs) fully-assed? But no one, like, gives you the breakdown of where it started. All right, I guess I'll have to keep searching Um, internet.com. All right, wait, wait, wait. Here we go, here we go. Half-assed usually means half-hearted. Today and appears to follow on from an earlier use of the phrase meaning inferior or incompetent. Perhaps the suggestion was that a half-assed person is not entirely effective, a bit like a donkey, or half like an ass. We so respect there. the donkey so much. I mean, all they do is work, and we give them no respect. I mean, they eat. We don't, too. I mean, we don't. We. I just feel their pain as animals that we push them to the limit of work. Ego. And they get zero respect at all. Of course. We don't name a team after them. We don't, you know, there's no National Donkey Day. Like, it's always disrespect when it comes to the donkey. 
Do you guys know that Big Ann Heron played donkey basketball in high school? What is that? All right, so we had that at my high school. I did not play. I did not play. What is that? You're playing basketball with uh, on top of donkey. You've never heard real? Yes, Tony. Y'all are, y'all are next my chain here. I'm telling you the 100 not like hey, true. I'm not I'm yanking your chain. We're, we're not half-assing this They're the sport. Like, like a, what's it, Australian? Australian? Uh, equestrian. Equestrian? Equestrian? Is that the words you're looking yeah. for? Yeah. <laughs> Stay in school. Kids. But with donkeys? So, so, was, so yeah. according to Big Ant, it was a charity event. And so, get a bunch of donkeys. Now, the problem is, if you do that, you're going to have to buy a new court. Because your court's going to be ruined one way or the other. And probably both ways, your court is going to be ruined. But yeah, he he said there's a picture of it. Like he was he was in the newspaper hmm. on top of a donkey playing basketball. Yeah, they had. That I don't know if you've too. seen Big Ant. That's a giant man to be on Smash. I can play this game too, Russ. <laughs> hey, Lynn, hey, Russ. I'm with it. I'm with it. I miss the mall, man. We got to bring back the mall. The no, mall, we don't. We do. The mall was great, Lawrence. The mall was. I mean, well, it I was, used to walk around uh, Orland, Orland Square Mall. Well, it's still there, though, right? Isn't that like no, it is. only it malls is. that still exist? It is. And it's actually still thriving for the most part. But I used to walk around there as a kid, man. The girl you like going to Orland Square Mall on Saturday, I'm going to Mall. Take me and drop me off at Orleans Square. Pick me up I'll, in an hour. I'll be all day. Here. I'll walk in. Man. They got yeah, tires. I like that. They got like tires. Five o'clock. Hey, if you want 18, get up out of here. At the mall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Orleans. Oh, I used to yep. get it popping at Orleans. You want the 13? That's you why. Shop, Russ, you can shop from 9 a.m. to Russ, that's, that's exactly why they got rules now. But it wasn't like bad. It was just like me and the, me and the homies like, hey, uh, so and so and her friends gonna be at Orland this weekend. You trying to go? Yeah. So we pull up three o'clock afternoon. Maybe we'll go see a movie. Go get some dinner afterwards, right? You go with the girl that you like. She walk into Victoria's Secret. You walk into Victoria's Secret, right? And then you feel like, oh man, she let the guard down. I'm in Victoria's Secret, and it's just like, man, that was a good time, man. That's the nostalgia, Lawrence. No, hey, she said she followed you from Victoria's Secret. You're like, nah, let's go to finish line real quick. I'm gonna get some shoes. Look, man, my mall was Lincoln Mall. Okay, uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Lincoln Mall. Now, my my uh my grandfather's house was in Park Forest. So we go over there. We usually stop off at the mall or whatever. When I was in high school. That was that was the kicking spot for the black people that went to HF, and that's where you see your friends that went to Rich Central or Rich South, or God forbid, Marion. Um, you you'd see them there, and if you was really like, if you was if you was like, oh, this is hood hood, then you go to Cal City. Oh, River Oaks. They go over to River Oaks. Go over to the Oaks. But I grew up, the mall that I grew up with is was Evergreen Plaza, or as oh, yeah. they ever black, 
Man, I drove past there and I just got sad. I drove past there. There's like, a bunch of this stuff know. over there. <laughs> Why you got trust? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Why? Because so that's what it's called. I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> it is the truth. It, it is the truth. Listen. There's no doubt about it. But Evergreen, like, that was where, man, you was somebody. And you know how I used to be like, you know, because we, I grew up in Roseland and we go over there and I remember thinking it was a, such a big deal to go to Evergreen Mall because Andriana Furs was on night. And, and like, I was like, oh, they got fur coats over here. Yo, Wait, where's Doug Banks at? <laughs> I know Doug Banks and Tom Joyner gonna be up in here and get me fur on up on 95th Street, man. We was living. We was living at the mall. But no, nah, man. But sometimes the element comes to the mall. And that's what messed everything up. Like the element would show up. And that's when Evergreen Plaza started to be like less and less stores. And the element would show up at Lincoln Mall. And the element was already at River Oaks. And uh, listen, still at River Oaks. And, and, and. You had a little added element because you had that South Side element. You had that region element at River Oaks because the Indiana border is right there. So that that region would seep in the cousins River Oaks. Cousins from Gary coming over. I don't know. Stopping. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> no. That's why we can't. That's what why we can't. You talk about the ball shouldn't come back. Man, that's why we can't have malls no. The one thing I never, I never experienced the whole. You know, you had the fight at the mall. Somebody getting somebody. I was just always just like, let's just be out, bro. Because I'm a, I see it coming person. Like I see the setup. Like this, this brother looks like he's angry and he's not trying to hear from nobody in here. And he might have a hell of it. And so I need to get up out of here. All right, look, I'm gonna tell this story. I've never told this story publicly. I'm hoping that. My parents don't hear this because, I mean, even at 47, my mother's going to be like, wait, what? So don't cut it up. You need to cut it up. All right, check it. So we in high school, right? Like I finally felt like normal at HF because it was a, it was a jolt. Like I moved after graduating eighth grade. Like I'm, I'm a city kid. So being out in the burbs was real weird to me. But I finally had found, like, my people, you know, my, my man Reggie, Javon, my man Pepe. Like, we kicked it, you know? And Glenwood had, uh, they had, like, the best, like, 4th of July show. Like, And there was this place, the Glenwood School for Boys. They, they had this huge campus. Yes, so the fireworks show was there. So my man Pepe, my, my, my Bariqua brother, and he, he, even back then, we was 15, he did all right with the ladies. And he was like, hey, you know, there's going to be this chick, you know. I was like, all right, whatever, you know. My girlfriend lived, like, across the street from from the school, so I was able to see her or whatever. And uh, he got us into some mess because he was messing with someone else's girl. Dude showed up. Dude pulled a piece. Oh no! And we was running. 
we was running as a shot rang out. Oh, and oh, he let that go. Man, man, I've never told my parents about that. They know nothing. Like, they know nothing about that. But we was definitely running that night. You talk about 100 miles and running. That was us trying to get up out of there. This was, what, 1990? Shoot, I was still on the bus stop. I didn't even have a, a permit. We was out here. I was like, I ain't even messing with you no more, Pepe. Like, how, how you got them? Because, you know, again, the element, sometimes in HF's district, extended into Chicago Heights. And sometimes... Like, you know, the the brothers from Chicago Heights said that my name was too royal. So, for my Chicago Heights dudes, they wouldn't call me Lawrence. You Larry? No, never that. Not with black people. White people love to do that. Leroy. Not Leroy. Holmes. They got, they like, Lawrence is too royal. Leroy. So, in, in the Heights and in the South Heights. There are people who literally know me there as Leroy <laughs> and not as Lawrence. My grade school was in the South Heights. Hey, Glenwood School for Boys and Girls. It was in girls by the time that I started playing soccer there. And let me tell you, nothing had changed from the time that you were over there to the time that I was over there. That is correct. That's why if you ended up at Glenwood School for Boys and Girls, you were one of those kids that couldn't go to other schools. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. You were there for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes that that reason is very attractive to young people. You're drawn to it. Like, oh, you're trouble. I like trouble. Let me hang out with you, trouble. Let's see what type of trouble we can all get into. This has been a great trek down memory lane here on Sports Jason. Uh, Next time that I'm on, I'll tell you guys about the other time I had a gun pulled on me. Oh, Lords, you're not a problematic dude. I know you always talk about when you were younger, you were this, hey, you can't talk to me any type of way, but put some people pulling guns on you? I mean, this wasn't my fault. I was just at the wrong place at the wrong time, and I learned a very valuable lesson. Always drive. Listen, always have your car so that you don't have to be ass out in a situation where you don't. That is the wise man, Lawrence W. Holmes, filling in for the ill, Jason Leisure. Lawrence, we appreciate the time, as always, uh, gracing us with your presence on Sports Jason. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I really had a lot of fun. Uh, I love you guys so much, and I enjoy the time. We need to, I, I was thinking we need to do like a, a gentleman's brunch. And I pro, this, pro. this is like the time of year that we could probably do it where, cause you know, Jason doesn't have to worry about like covering a football team. But I'm thinking like we need to hit up like carnival or something or hub 51 and like do a brunch big time style. If Tony would actually join us, I have concerns that I don't, I don't, I don't know why people like, like to put this brunch word out there. If it's your first meal is breakfast. No, it's not. Is breakfast. Yeah, it, it's your first meal, and, it, and it's consisting of breakfast foods. Is breakfast. 
but you have the choice and usually your first meal doesn't include alcohol and brunch does so i mean it's a personal choice like no don't don't if you want to drink alcohol like breakfast then just drink alcohol you ain't gotta mask it you want to drink i mean if, by all means drink you're an adult if you're drinking at the crib while eating some cereal we got problems. There's a serious problem. There's a discussion. I want to do it anyway with, with this brunch thing. I yeah. never understand it. It's no, you're brunch. right, Tony. You just want right. to drink. It does give you cover, but you're not doing that in the crib. You're not like, let me make some oven toast and also have a rum and coke. I'm not gonna let somebody. I'm not gonna let somebody that don't drink tell me about drinking that brunch. Oh, that's, that's what I'm gonna say. I'm that's just calling it now. It's a secret drinker over here. <laughs> uh, and we're not including the old accidental wine he, that he, he could have smelled. Accidental where he maxes an entire alcoholic drink without realizing it's an alcoholic drink. And here's the thing, Lawrence. The, the more we get away from the story, the more I think he really just wanted a little bit of the taste. Because there is no wine I've ever had where I didn't smell that it was wine. Yeah. This is, that's what a non-drinker. And then afterwards, he out here like Peter Parker. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> That's me. Told hammered. Uh, told who's hammered. <laughs> it's brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. If you want the softest, coolest, the flannel boys, if you will, that cups you. If you want to get cupped and cuffed, sheetsgiggles.com forward slash SA and use the new promo code SPORTS. That is SPORTS, as in adjacent. And Get 23% off your next order, including the wonderful mattresses that they have over there at Sheets. And Giggles also brought to you by BetMGM. If you place a bet and you do not win, up to $1,000, you can get that bet back by using promo code adjacent. 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 Bring me a switch. It's you saying breakfast that got me off my spot. Adjacent. 1,000, that's adjacent 1,000. Tone, before we let the fine folks go, do you have anything? Yeah, you know, my my personal favorite bet, uh, take the opposing team uh, that plays against the Bulls in the money line. You would have won today. <laughs> you you could have won today. I actually but, did. Oh, you you did? Yeah, I uh, and, and we're recording this the night that the Bulls played the Pistons. I took the Pistons on the money line when they were plus 800. And uh, I cashed out because then they did some dumb shit at the end of the game that cost them where they they Chris Webbered it, called a timeout that they didn't have. But I I cashed out at 350 to one plus 350. I mean, not 351, but plus 350. So don't 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 trust the Zach Levine era Bulls. That's that's my phrase. The Bulls are shitty dog. On that note. Oh, I quite appreciate you guys for listening. As always, watch for the stuff on IG. We're doing more stuff. Or more stuff on IG. We're doing stuff on Twitter, as always. And we will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.